Well, good morning, everyone. My name is John, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. Uh, so uh, as we get started today, a question that I want you to think about is we're going to talk about this idea of trust. And what do you trust really? Uh, I'll give you a couple examples of these. And so do you trust electricity really? And for most of us, I would guess that one's a pretty positive. Uh, when you walk into a room, when you hit a light switch, you don't have much concern. You, you kind of are already under the impression that every time I flip that switch, every time I plug that in, uh, if you saw a little kid and they were about to put a knife or a fork or something into an electric socket, your initial response would be, no, because you have a lot of trust that that electricity is going to work. Uh, but that's kind of a, an American thing. Uh, some of you have been to other countries. I've got a chance to travel to some other countries where that's really not the case. Uh, I've been to some countries where they only have electricity for like an hour, maybe two hours during the day, and you're never really sure when that hour or two hours is going to be. And so whenever you flip a switch, it's, you don't know. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, but for most of us, our trust is pretty high. Uh, on the other hand, do you trust the weather forecast? Uh, and that one's pretty relevant to us this past week. Uh, I, as late as like really Wednesday morning of this week, uh, maybe even going to bed Wednesday, uh, I was watching a lot of news forecasters that were saying, yeah, most of the storm is going to be south of us. We're going to get like a couple inches. And even Wednesday night, we were talking with my kids and we were all taking bets. How much snow do you think there's going to be when we wake up in the morning? And I felt pretty confident. I had seen one of the last weather projections and I was like, I think it's going to be like six inches tops when we wake up. Uh, but it turns out that my trust was violated a little bit in what the weather forecasters had to say. Uh, or how about this one? Uh, do you trust your dentist? And, and here's what I mean by that, is that uh, for me anyways, whenever I go to the dentist, uh, they will often give me advice at the end of the thing. And they'll say, hey, we want to make sure that you're brushing on a regular basis, and we want to make sure that you're flossing at least once a day, if not twice a day. And as I'm sitting there in the chair, and as he's looking at me, I nod my head and think, yeah, that, that sounds great. Uh, I, I, I'm on board for the advice. I believe that what he is saying is accurate. But as far as me actually going home and following those instructions to the letter of what they said, sometimes it would show that maybe I don't trust him as much as I actually say because of uh, how I actually follow. Uh, or how about this one? Do you trust your GPS? And, and this is one of those that has evolved for me over time because I'm old. And, and I remember uh, when I first got my very first GPS, it was this thing you like suction cupped onto your uh, dashboard and it was like you know, plugged into your lighter. It was kind of this extra thing. It wasn't on your phone. It wasn't built into your car. And it was like very shaky as far as directions. Uh, I remember one of the only arguments I can remember like, as an adult anyways with my dad we were in Cincinnati together for this uh, church conference thing, and we were going somewhere, and I was all proud of my new GPS thing that I had. So I was like, let's go with the GPS, and he's old, older than me, obviously, so he had his map. And so he was saying we need to follow the map directions. I was saying we need to follow the GPS directions. We followed the GPS directions, got very, very lost, uh, because at that point, you couldn't really trust your GPS. Where now, I, I have like unequivocal trust in my GPS. Uh, if I'm going somewhere, 
I don't even ask for directions. And if someone is telling me, like, hey, make sure you take this left, make sure, you know, like, I, I zone it out. I don't listen at all because I have such trust in my GPS. It's like, just give me the directions and let me tell it to Siri and it'll be fine because I just trust it uh, a lot. Uh, or finally, uh, do you trust, and obviously this makes sense for church, Jesus really? Uh, as in, do you trust him as much as you trust electricity? That it's just, you just have such confidence that when you need it, it's going to be there. Uh, do you trust it as much as you trust the weather forecast, that you're willing to plan what you're going to do or not do based off of what they say? Do you trust it as much as you trust your dentist, that whatever, they, whatever he tells you to do, you're going to not just listen, but you're going to actually do it? Do you trust him as much as you trust your GPS? That you're willing to say, yeah, whatever this thing tells me to do, left, right, what I would follow. Uh, we are, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what is maybe one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible, John 3.16, which I think does a great job of summing up not only like the Christian message, but especially at Christmas, it really sums up the idea of what is Christmas all about. And what I love about this famous uh, scripture is that it paints a great picture of how much of what Christianity and how much of what Christmas how much is it really about what God is doing and how much of it is God's part and how little of it is actually our part? Because when you look at the key parts of this, uh, for God so loved, what God does is he loves, what God does is he gave his only son, and what God does is he gives us eternal life. So much of what Christmas is about is not what we do. It's about what God has done on behalf of us. Uh, but there is a part that we play, and that's the part that we're going to talk about today, is this part of uh, that Our part of Christmas, our part of the Christian journey, is for us to believe in. And what does it mean for us to believe in? Uh, and that's super important. Uh, this uh, little word here, believe in, uh, was something that uh, a guy named John wrote this 2,000 years ago, and he was writing in Greek. And when he came to this concept, he wanted to write of that whoever would believe in him, uh, he really didn't have a phrase or a word that was available to him in Greek. And this happens every once in a while in the Bible. So he actually made up a phrase that had never been written before. No one had ever put these phrases uh, together before to say what this idea was of believe in. Because what John wanted to say, his goal of what he wanted to do was not just like an intellectual like, yeah, I, I have like, I understand it. He wanted something that was much, much deeper. Uh, and that's a big deal. Uh, there was a a poll that was done a few years ago uh, by a group called Gallup, and that's what they do is they do polls. And they were talking uh, different questions about religious action in America. And so the first question they asked was they asked, do you believe in God? And when they asked that question, 87% of people in America, that's a lot, 87% of people are like, yeah, I, I believe. I have some general belief that there is a God. But then they asked follow-up questions. Uh, and the first follow-up question was, are you convinced that God exists? And then the number dropped down to 64%. People were like, uh, yeah, if you're asking just general, I think so. But now you're getting a little more concrete, I'm not sure. And then they asked, uh, are you very religious? And 
many of you I know that are watching um, might not like the term religious. You might not even consider yourself a very religious person. But really what they meant by that was, does your belief, does your faith actually affect your actions? Does it affect your way of life? And they would have all kinds of follow-up questions of, you know, okay, so you say you believe in God, uh, or maybe even you're convinced that there's a God, uh, but does that affect the way you spend your Sunday morning? Do you watch church online? Do you go to church? Uh, Does it affect whether you read the Bible or not? Does it affect whether you pray or not? And then does it affect how you treat people? Does it affect the way that you date? Does it affect the things you look at online? Uh, Does it affect the way in which you spend your money? Uh, Does what you say you believe actually affect your actions. And what John was trying to portray in this idea of John 3, 16, is not just like, do you believe like what, you know, I guess what most Americans do, and not just do you believe like, are you convinced intellectually that there is a God, but are you actually putting this into action? Uh, Because for a lot of us, there's this gap between what like intellectually I believe to actually what I am doing. Uh, I love uh, this quote by a writer, a thinker named uh, Dallas Willard. He passed away a few years ago, but uh, here's what uh, Dallas Willard said. Oh, sorry, I, f- I forgot these. Thank you for, I, this is why we have slides on here. So here's a couple of differences between this gap we have between believing and action. Uh, that it's one thing to believe that all people have inherent value, you know, but it's another thing to actually take action action when people need help or have been treated unfairly, right? I mean, it's one thing to, like, believe that black lives matter. It's one thing to post that on your Facebook account. It's one thing to, like, you know, intellectually express that, but it's another thing to actually do something different about it. Uh, It's one thing to believe that generosity is a good idea. Yeah, I like the idea. People should be generous. People should give to charity, but it's another thing to actually take action, It's another thing to look at your budget and say, is there any way that we could move some of our money from stuff that we're spending over here to actually give money away? Is there a way that I could take some of my surplus? Is there a way that I could take action to actually become a more generous person? That's different. Uh, Or it's one thing to believe in the idea of building uh, better relationships. Yeah, I wish I had better friends. I wish there was people who really knew me. I wish there was people I could get together and, like, share my doubts and questions with. You know, I wish there was someone who would, like, lovingly even call me on the carpet sometimes. It's one thing to to believe in that and want that. It's another thing to take action, to actually build those kind of relationships, to actually sign up for that community group, to ask that person out for coffee and say, I want to take our relationship to a different, deeper level. Uh, Again, that's the idea of what John wanted us to do, is that what God was going to do is he was going to love us no matter what. He was going to send his son for us no matter what. And he wants to give us eternal life, but he is calling us to believe in him, which isn't just an idea of like intellectual, but actually putting it into action. Uh, So now here's the Dallas Willard quote that I love. Uh, He says that as Jesus' disciple, and that's what Dallas Willard considered himself as a disciple. And that's what he wants all of us, what Jesus and John wants all of us to consider ourselves, is to think about becoming a disciple. I am his apprentice in kingdom living. I am learning from him how to lead my life as 
he would lead my life if he were I. That what Dallas Ward says, the idea of becoming a Christian, becoming a disciple, is becoming an apprentice, is to say, how would I live my life if I was going to actually do all the things that Jesus did? If Jesus was in my life, if Jesus was driving my car to work, if Jesus was having the phone conversations that I was having, if Jesus was responsible for deciding whether he was going to wear a mask or not, if Jesus was responsible for how he was going to spend my money, my job, if I'm a disciple, is to say, however Jesus would spend that time, whatever Jesus would say, if he was in my exact situation, that's what I want to learn how to do too. Uh, and the reason of why Dallas Willard says we should do that is that it is because of my faith, my trust in him that led me to become his disciple. And this is important. This isn't that I'm going to do all the things that Jesus told me to do because Jesus told me to do it. And if he doesn't, if I don't do it, then he's going to punish me. He's going to get me. It's because I have my confidence in him simply means that I believe that he is right about everything. It comes down to this idea of trust that the reason why I'm going to do what Jesus tells me to do about my money is because I believe that the way Jesus says I should approach my money is the best way to approach money. And it might not go along with the American idea sometimes. It might not be always as comfortable. It might sometimes be a little bit painful and sacrificial in the moment. But I really believe that his way is actually going to be best. I believe he was right. Uh, the reason why I'm going to follow Jesus when it comes to sexuality, the reason why I'm going to follow Jesus when it comes to forgiving people that I would rather hold a grudge against is because I believe that his way is right, that he was actually right about this stuff, that he was the master of life. Uh, and he finishes up by saying this, uh, that all he is and says shows what life is at its best. The way to experience a flourishing life, the way to experience a kingdom life. The way to experience what John will say is eternal life, not just in heaven someday, but right here, right now, is by doing what he says. Because uh, God's way is what it was intended by God to be. Uh, that what John meant when he said he wants us to believe in is that he wants us to trust. That he wants us to actually do the things that Jesus said, because we believe, we have trust that what Jesus said is actually right. Uh, here's the way that uh, Jesus said it. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and actually puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Uh, that the way in which like, you actually live this stuff out, the way in which you can have a wise, flourishing life is to actually put these things into practice. Uh, now, for many of us, that is not a simple, easy thing. It's not a matter of like, okay, fine, I'm just going to just follow everything that Jesus says. I'm just going to automatically commit to that because it would be a huge life change. It would be a huge lifestyle change. It would be huge in the way that we, to follow Jesus, we believe, is such a radical change of life that it would be a huge thing to say, I'm not just going to believe this intellectually, but I'm going to actually live this out. And so how do you make that kind of a transition? And what we believe is that it was, it is a process that we go through. Uh, so what I want to look at uh, for the next little bit is uh, 
John 3.16 was written in this context of this conversation that Jesus was having with a guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a guy who was exploring the idea of Jesus. Uh, it was not someone who believed in Jesus, was not someone who was following the things that Jesus was doing, but he was going through a process that would eventually lead him there. Uh, so he wasn't there when we find him at the beginning of the story, but by the end of the story, he is there. And so what brought him, what was his journey, what was his process, which, uh, as you'll see, was almost a three-year-long process. For some people, it might be a much quicker process. For other people, it might be a longer process. But here was Nicodemus's process of how he went from really no relationship with Jesus at all to now I'm going to trust Jesus with everything I have. Uh, and where he starts was he would ask Jesus questions. Where we first find Nicodemus, he's having this conversation with Jesus in John chapter 3, and he's asking all these questions. How can someone be this? Uh, it can be born when they are old. Uh, Nicodemus would ask another question. How can this be? He's just asking, asking, asking all these questions. Because for Nicodemus, he believes that this, this isn't just something I should just like walk into casually. And if I have intellectual, rational questions that I'm not sure about, and if there's things that you're like, you know what, this seems interesting to me, but there's this thing I'm not sure about. And honestly, until I figure that out, I'm not sure whether I could ever agree to follow you. Then he wants to get those questions answered. And maybe that's where some of uh, us are at. Uh, there's a, a, a woman friend I know, uh, she emailed me a couple weeks ago with some questions. And she was kind of in this camp of uh, thinking about following Jesus more with her life, uh, thinking about maybe even getting baptized. She's like, before I make that kind of a commitment, I have some questions that I'm just not sure about. Uh, here's two of the questions that uh, she asked me. Uh, first question is, when God forgives child molesters, rapists, murderers, and other corrupt and evildoers, I mean, come on, it can't just be that. I mean, just because they forgive themselves and ask for forgiveness, is it all right for them? I mean, what about Satan and hell? And maybe that's a question that bothers some of you. That this idea that God is so loving and so forgiving, like when he's loving me and forgiving me, that sounds good. But like for the people out there that are like done things that are really, really harmed other people, maybe even harm people that you love, there's something about this God that's just like going to, blanket slate forgive them that might bother you it's a good question here's another question she asked uh, my best friend is a muslim and i will never believe that what he believes is wrong and that christianity is the only truth am i allowed to be a christian because of that it's a good question and, and what we believe is that asking those kind of questions and many other really difficult, hard questions is a really good thing. It's a really important part of the process of maybe believing and putting your trust in him. Uh, and so quick plug, uh, you can always ask questions. Ask, email me, ask questions. Uh, email uh, your community group leader, who else? Uh, find ways to ask questions. But we particularly have a, a course that we call our Alpha Course. And the next uh, one is kicking off in February. And of all the different environments we have, it's maybe the best environment to ask questions and to really say, hey, let's really, let's put everything on the table. Uh, let's really see, is this real? Is it not? Is this rational? Is this not? And find ways to ask those questions. That's the first thing that Nicodemus did. Uh, second thing that Nicodemus did was he took time to listen. 
Uh, so we're going to jump ahead in the book of John. Now we're in John chapter 3. Now we're in John chapter 7. Uh, and the background to this is uh, one of the things that people were always debating about Jesus is who the heck or even what the heck are you? Uh, are you just a teacher? Uh, are you just a good guy? Uh, are you actually really evil and terrible? Or are you actually the Son of God? Are you actually the Messiah? And the reason that they would have these conversations is because Jesus kept claiming that he was the Son of God and the Messiah. And then he would do these supernatural things that people are like, all right, somehow there's got to be a way to explain this. Uh, so in John chapter 7, uh, Jesus has just healed somebody, and the religious leaders weren't happy about it. And so so they're having this conversation. Uh, so this is the religious leaders of the time that are not wanting Jesus to be able to, other people to see him as the son of God. He said, you mean that he has deceived you also, uh, the Pharisees retorted. They were the religious leaders. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Uh, so that's important. So at this point, about midway through Jesus' ministry, there's a group of people that do believe that Jesus is who he said he was, are starting to believe that he is the Son of God. But this group, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, uh, according to this, none of them uh, have actually taken that step to believe. None of the people who know the Jewish law, none of the people, none of them have believed, kind of. Uh, because the text goes on, it says, uh, that one of the Pharisees, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was, the one, and who was one of their own number, asked a question. So he's going to ask this to the religious leaders. Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Uh, so Nicodemus at this point probably isn't really a believer or follower of Jesus, but he's a Pharisee. He had spent time with Jesus earlier asking questions. And now these other Pharisees who are ready to kill Jesus, really ready to get rid of him, kind of stops them and says, wait, 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 wait. Before you totally throw this guy out, shouldn't you at least hear him out? Shouldn't you at least listen? And I think that's a huge deal. Uh, I have a lot of friends and neighbors that I've talked to that really have no interest in following Jesus, uh, but they've never really spent time listening. They've never really like sat time to like sit through church services and really explore or read books or to read the Bible. They've never really taken time to hear it from themselves. And before you make a decision on whether he is actually who he says or not, shouldn't you at least hear him out? Uh, and for some of us, that might be really good news. Because Sometimes I think there's this idea that when it comes to church, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to community group, they're like, that's for people that are already in. That's for people who already believe. That's people who are already consider themselves Christians. And we don't think that's true at all. That's part of the whole reason why we started this church seven years ago, is that we think that it's very important for people to have a place to hear and to ask questions. So you can come to church online and hear and not believe yet. You can be a part of a community group. Uh, you can start a practice of reading the Bible just for the sake of hearing and exploring before you actually believe. Um, but then uh, Nicodemus took uh, another step. Uh, his next step was action. Uh, There's one thing just to keep listening and listening and listening, but at some point you might actually have to take action. Uh, my sister uh, 
years ago now, uh, we were back in college, uh, she bought a Pilates video, uh, an actual like, a video cassette when you had those. And she bought the video cassette, and she went home, and she put it in her, in her, in her VCR, and she sat down on her couch, and she watched the Pilates thing. <laughs> and she told us about it, and we gave her like all kinds of heck about it, because we're like, Shan, like, that's not going to do anything, right? I mean, you, you can watch and you can listen. You can get like a great understanding. But until you actually do something about it, it's not going to actually make a difference. Uh, and the same is true as faith. Is you can listen, listen, listen. But at some point, you're going to actually have to try these things out before you know whether it actually works or not. And again, really good news. You can take action to try out some of the things of Jesus before you actually believe. Uh, so here's the action that Nicodemus took. Uh, so this is after uh, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, and so Jesus was killed on the cross. It says, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. That's one of the guys in the story. Uh, and then it brings in Nicodemus. It says, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Now here comes Nicodemus. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Now, one of the things I read uh, this past week, so that, that 75 pounds of uh, this myrrh and aloe might have been the, the equivalent of today's dollars of about 150000 to $200,000 worth of supplies. This was a big sacrificial act that Nicodemus took. And based off of what many of the rest of the disciples were going through at this point, there's a good shot that Nicodemus wasn't a believer at this point because Jesus hasn't risen from the dead yet. And almost nobody believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Nobody believed that Jesus was the Son of God uh, in that span in between when Jesus was crucified and when he had rose from the dead. Everyone had deserted. But yet, something about who Jesus was gave Nicodemus enough confidence to say, hey, even though I'm not sure yet, I I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to act in such a way that I'm going to try some of this stuff out. And again, that could be a hugely big step for some of us. Uh, we do a, a next step email every single week where we encourage people to ask questions, where we encourage people to listen, but we give some sort of an action step of something we want you to actually do. And for you to know whether Jesus is worth following or not, whether you can put your trust in him, you might need to take an action. Uh, you might need to actually try his way of money. You might actually need to try his way of forgiveness and see if it actually works. Uh, one of the reoccurring things that uh, followers and people who are checking out Jesus would say is this idea of taste and see. Give it a shot. See if it works or not. Uh, and again, you could do that before you actually believe. And then finally... Uh, you see Jesus, uh, you see Nicodemus, and he makes the decision, I believe, and this is all transparency here. This is a little bit of me uh, making something up uh, that's not totally in the Bible, but I think I'm right, and I'll tell you why. And so this is now after the resurrection, uh, and so it, some of the believers is together. It says, then some of the believers, so this is people now who have put their trust in Jesus, who have decided that they want to follow him, and uh, some of those believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. 
So now, finally, after the resurrection of Jesus, there are some Pharisees, where before, back in John 7, there was no one who was a Pharisee who was following Jesus. Now there is some who have decided that they want to become believers. And I believe that Nicodemus was one of those who finally made that decision to believe. But it wasn't a decision that he just, like, flipped to. It wasn't something that he came to lightly. It was something that he made after he questioned Jesus after he spent time listening to Jesus, after he took some time to actually act and try some of this stuff out. And then finally, after all of that, he made the decision that I want to become one of these believers. And then it wasn't like he had everything figured out. Uh, he had a lot of things to still figure out of exactly what it meant to follow Jesus, this dot, dot, dot there. Uh, there was a whole conversation that they were going to have about what it actually means to follow Jesus. And then for them, it would mean accepting people that they didn't really want to accept. It would mean not being as racist as maybe they had been being. It meant not being as legalistic as they had been being. Uh, and they were going to have a whole journey of still following the words of Jesus. But it didn't come quickly. It came after a long period of questioning, listening, and taking action. Uh, so back to John 3.16. Uh, God loves the world. He gave his son. And I believe that he wants to give every single one of us eternal life, uh, which is not just, we'll talk about this on Christmas Eve, is not just the idea that we'll get to go to heaven someday, but the idea that we can experience life on earth as God designed it to be right here, right now. But in order for it to happen, we need to believe in him. And so what step would it take for you to increase your belief in him? Uh, maybe for some of you, it's actually voicing questions that you've had that you've never expressed to anybody. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's taking time to say, you know what, going forward for the next few weeks, for the next few months, I'm going to actually listen and I'm going to try to really understand what I'm either saying yes or saying no to. Maybe for some of you, it's taking an action. Uh, maybe as you've been watching church online or being a part of your community group or praying, you have this like reoccurring thought every once in a while of something that you feel like you're supposed to do, somebody you're supposed to talk to, some action you're supposed to take, something you're supposed to do differently than maybe you've ever done it before. And you've been resisting and you've been pushing it away and maybe you need to give it a try. Or maybe you're ready and you need to make the decision to finally say, you know what, I think I'm in. Uh, I'm going to actually believe. But again, it's not a decision that I think that anyone is a part of church, as you're talking to your friends about this, as you're talking to their neighbors about this. This isn't something that you should make quickly. Because to become a follower of Jesus, to put your trust in Jesus, to put all of your belief that I'm going to do whatever Jesus tells me to do is not an easy thing to do. I believe it's the best thing to do, but it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, and that's what we remember each week uh, when we take uh, communion, is just what a big deal it is to follow Jesus. Uh, here's uh, what Jesus uh, said about this. He said, then Jesus said to his disciples, people who are following him, people who are going to do whatever he tells them to do, who are going to trust in him like we trust in electricity, like maybe you trust in your GPS, like maybe you're supposed to trust in your dentist. He said to his disciples, that whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And there will be moments in this following Jesus thing where what he asks you to do, 
what he's telling you to trust him will feel so difficult that it'll feel like you're picking up a cross. But that's what Jesus tells us to do. Uh, here's another thing uh, that Jesus said. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. As Jesus loved us by sacrificing his life, his comfort on the cross for us. That's how we are supposed to love other people. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. That's what at Christmas Jesus is asking us to put our trust in, that I'm going to love other people, that I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. I'm going to do it no matter how hard, no matter how difficult it is, because I believe that whatever he's telling me to do, even if it feels hard now, I believe it's right. I believe it's because he loves me, and I believe it will lead to eternal life, not just someday, but right now. Uh, So let's remember that as we take communion together. How much Jesus loves us and how much he has invited us to join. It's freezing in here, so I gotta get my fingers to work. There we go. So let's take the bread together. Take the cup together. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for your son and for sending him as a baby 2,000 years ago. But it wasn't just a matter of sending your son and then that he would die someday and then someday we could make a decision about whether we would like intellectually believe or not you wanted way way more than that you wanted us to make a decision to actually follow you and become your disciples to actually live this out to trust you with every decision we are going to make to believe that you are actually right about everything Help us to have the courage to do that. And for some of us, if that means asking a question that we've never asked before, if it means taking time to to listen more than we've ever listened before, if it means taking an action step, uh, just to even see, you know, is it really going to work out? Is it really going to turn out to be a better way of living? Or to make the decision to say, all right, I'm in 100%. I'm going to believe and I'm going to actually become one of these Jesus crazy disciples. Uh, Whatever step you're calling us to today, help us to have the courage to jump into that. Let me pray. Amen. Well, um, we hope that you guys had a uh, great service, that you've learned something, that there's something that you're taking away from this that uh, has been helpful to you, uh, that you've been able to connect with some people, maybe online and uh, and been able to uh, do something that you weren't be able to do otherwise. So um, we're glad that you have joined us. Uh, We feel that it's important that we just take what we've learned and we try to move it forward, as John was talking about, next steps. And there's a couple of different ways in which we could do that. Uh, One is through the email that we received, the next step email, uh, which uh, John uh, mentioned a little earlier. And you'll be receiving that in your email shortly if, if you sign up. But if you're not, you can look on the Facebook page and you'll be able to uh, grab it from there. But it just has some questions to follow up on, 
some activities, some prayer uh, that you can do around this about uh, this idea of our belief about our, our faith and actually taking actions with it. Uh, the other thing that we can use towards that is the connection card. And uh, you can uh, fill that out uh, and you'd be able to connect with us, uh, be able to uh, let us know anything that you'd want to uh, some prayer over, some things that you may want to get some more information about. Uh, but either way, this whole point is to take what we've learned and to be able to help you to take those next steps moving forward. Uh, and just as a reminder, we have the Christmas Eve service on, on Thursday. We hope that all of you are, are there and uh, are, are with us to celebrate. Um, and again, this, this church thing is not about a building or an organization. It's about people coming together. So if you have anything going on, uh, feel free to let us know. We'd love to stand and walk alongside you guys. Have a great week and see you next time.